Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Chillport Podcast, episode 253. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games. It's going to be a little bit of a weird episode this week, um, because I have a lot of things to talk about that usually don't fall into what we discuss, I feel like, or at least I feel that way. Um, also, there's like no news I want to talk about this week. There's one particular story we'll get into, um, but it's not really relevant to most people, probably. Um, not that that has held me back before on this podcast. Um, the Kingdom Hearts 4 is maybe the most, like, biggest announcement more recently, but I have nothing to really say about Kingdom Hearts at this point unless they really show me something that, you know, changes my mind on the series. Um, kind of the big thing with Kingdom Hearts 4 was the, the reveal that it's, like, in a modern-day Tokyo-looking place kind of thing, which was, which was something that was implied in Kingdom Hearts 3 as far as I understand, having not played it. Um, but, uh, yeah, and just, like, the, the trailer they showed is just one of those games tra- trailers where it, it's pretty clearly not, like, really active gameplay. It's not representative of the moment-to-moment gameplay you're going to have. It's just, like, here's this, like, kind of scripted event that's happening where Sora's jumping up a bunch of buildings. And, like, hey, if that's, like, a, a, a freeform thing you can do in Kingdom Hearts 4, I'm cool. Like, very cool, but I'm not convinced at this point. So, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of, like, the Final Fantasy 15 Leviathan scene, um, when they showed that off, when they renamed Final Fantasy 13 Verses to 15. That E3 trailer, uh, like, if you look at what that thing is compared to what was in the final game, uh, they are not representative of, that That trailer is not really representative of what happens in the game itself. So, um, that doesn't mean that people shouldn't be excited, though. So, very cool on that. I just have no personal interest. So, um, we did go ahead and beat back Pac-Man World 2, though. We finished that up on stream, just to get kind of the more normal stuff out of the way here real quick. Um, and Pac-Man World 2, I, I, I can't say... I can't say I loved it, but I think it was like better than I expected it to be. You know, it is from that era of kind of collectathon platformers where I don't really expect much out of it. And I think the big thing that really I took away from Pac-Man World 2 was the moveset for Pac-Man was pretty interesting. You have this like ability to like bounce in a, as a ball um, to kind of like rapidly bounce through the environment. And it's kind of like an attack kind of thing. Um, and then you also have like this charge up run, which you can use that's kind of like a sonic spin dash. And it's just kind of like an interesting move set for, for Pac-Man. Uh, does it really fit the environment? I think at times it can be a little, um, a little, uh, uh, not conducive to like how narrow some of the areas in the game are. Um, but I think it was still really fun to play overall. And you know, for how long it was, I think we beat it in like two streams and it was like probably like two and a half to three hours for the first stream, then another like 40 ish minutes to an hour for the next stream. So, you know, something you can sit down and play through in an afternoon if you just want to beat it. Right. There's the collectathon aspect of it, but I'm good. I'll pass on that. (laughs) Um, I did actually look at Pac-Man Versus because I have the compilation disc. It's Pac-Man World. It's compilation package. It's a box with two discs in it. One with Pac-Man Versus. One with um, uh, Pac-Man World Two. And I uh, was like, is Pac-Man Versus like something I can actually do anything with? But as far as I can tell, it is solely multiplayer focused. If you don't know what Pac-Man Versus is, that's the, this is that game where you had the Game Boy Advance connected to the GameCube, and then all the other players would be using GameCube controllers. So the person on the Game Boy Advance would play as Pac-Man going around, and they have like a very traditional Pac-Man style uh, NES or uh, like 2D you know maze on their on their actual GPA. I'm pretty sure it like pretty much replicates the arcade experience for that. Um, and then on the, uh, 
GameCube and on the TV, you have three people playing as the ghosts and they have like limited views to kind of move around. So um, I've never played it and some maybe someday I will. Um, it's just uh, I, I do not do a lot of local multiplayer in my life. So getting getting three people together to to do that with me is is kind of a whole other thing. Um, but I think there are like CPU ghosts. So I guess if you're desperate enough for single player, you probably could do like a slightly handicapped version of it where you like launch the Game Boy Advance and play on the Game Boy Advance and have one player be a GameCube controller and then have the other CPU ghosts just kind of floating around. Unless the player has to do something to make those ghosts like, you know, move in some way, you could just have basically one ghost be sitting out while the other, while you play Pac-Man kind of thing. So potentially there's something there it seems like there's like a handful of levels as well so uh, i don't know maybe someday I'll, I'll i'll force some people to play with it or play me play uh with me uh for for pac-man world or pac-man versus but i just don't really see it happening so i just marked it as null on my backloggery and then i uh, went and put it under the bed if you don't know like any, any game i beat that's like from a previous console generation i have like these drawers on my bed and i put put it under there um, it's not a great long-term solution. I'm honestly running out of space in both of them right now. <laughs> uh, two drawers that I do this with. Um, so I need to figure out something. And that's part of why I, I actually keep modern, most modern consoles. Also, this is true for like the Xbox. But like some systems, I keep the whole collection out here. Some of them I like put beat ones away kind of thing. So it's just a way for me to like try to reduce the amount of games that are like actively on my shelf while still keeping them like accessible kind of thing. So Pac-Man World 2 was pretty fun. Um, I'm, I'm glad we played through it. It was definitely a good, like, short stream game, I think, um, um, for that. But uh, do you need to play Pac-Man World 2? I would say most people in this world could go through their life not having played Pac-Man World 2. Pac-and-Roll, though, you gotta play the Pac-and-Roll, man. You have to. No, it's okay. You don't have to play Pac-and-Roll. And that and, like, Pac-and-Roll on DS is where it's at. So unless you're gonna get the DS version of Pac-and-Roll, why even bother, man? Why bother? No, it's fine. <laughs> Pack and Roll Remix was okay. It just doesn't really play quite as well. And it creates a lot of problems with you getting through the environment. I said at one point I was going to do a Pack and Roll like video thing on, on those two versions of the game. I probably should still do that, especially with Pack and Roll being re-released yet again. Um, uh, I forget when, but it's in that like uh, Pac-Man collection that's coming out fairly soon. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm kind of th what what I'm doing next is kind of up in the air, and I don't particularly feel like a strong need to to you know do a lot of Pac-Man related content. To be honest with you, so um, one thing I did spend a lot of time with this weekend, and we'll get into why uh, in a little bit. I'll talk about the game first, though. Is uh, Chocobo GP? I decided to go ahead and play that. If you didn't know, there's a only a digital version of that here in the U.S. and maybe in Europe as well. But in Japan, there was a physical release. So I went ahead and imported that from PlayAsia. Took a while to get here, but it did get here. Um, and I decided to sit down and play it. And, you know, while I was waiting for this game to get here, I definitely heard a lot about, like, Battle Pass and all that stuff. And I'll, I'll see if I can talk a little, bit, a little bit about that. I may still do a Chocobo GP video. I'm really still on the fence about it for a lot of reasons. But uh, I thought the game itself was, like, really fun, though. Um, so if you don't know, this is like a, I guess you could say kind of Mario Kart clone. It feels a lot closer to like Mario Kart than say like a Sonic Riders, right? So it, it, it does very heavily rely on drift mechanics. You have items you're picking up in the environment, things like that. Um, and kind of the key differences between this and like a Mario Kart is A, it's Final Fantasy, right? Um, and B, you have a Magicite system for, um, the uh, items you pick up on the course so you'll pick up an item you get like fire right but then you can go and you can pick up an egg which is like the, the egg is like the item box thing so you can pick up an egg of the same color and it'll level up 
that um, uh, spell in your inventory. So we become like a Fyra spell, level two fire, essentially. And if you don't pick up another red egg, then it becomes a Fyraga. So it's like a, a more powerful version of that spell. So it, it creates some interesting dynamic with like, you know, knowing when you want to use certain spells and at, at, at what level, because the level one ones are definitely you know, useful, but uh, they, they, they can be a lot more challenging to use because you have to like be accurate with them. Like the fire spell just fires straightforward, kind of like a green shell in some ways but it doesn't like ricochet up a wall so you kind of have one shot and that's it um so there's a lot of different spells in the game with fire um there's there's ice you know water thunder all those kind of things and they all have like different effect effects like the thunder one if there's a, the player you hit gets like a tag on them and then if there's anyone around them for a specific period of time everybody within that range around them will get hit so if you like throw a thunder into a group of people and they all kind of stick around with each other eventually that thunder will hit everybody in the group kind of thing um so there's like a lot of interesting uses for the spells you can also get different effects by throwing them backwards too so it's not just always just you throw something backwards and it travels in a straight line behind you kind of thing uh it seems like sometimes their behavior changes depending on what you do with them um, but yeah, so it's like a really interesting, uh, system because you do have to make a lot of decisions about, am I going to use this now? Am I going to wait till this chapter powers up? You know, do I want to, do I want to, you know, take the time to level this up in my inventory and forfeit the ability to get other abilities and, 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 you know, what's, what's really important depending on what position I'm in right now. Right. You know, so so there's a lot of like really interesting decisions you have to make about the magic system. It also means there's a lot more flexibility, I feel like, in the ability to do like um, defensive spells because you have three magic light side slots, essentially. And then so if you're leveling up a spell, it's eventually once it gets to level three, uh, occupies all of those magic light slots. However, um, say you get like a a a two different eggs, uh, two different colors. Um, you can get like two different spells, but they're like the level one version of the spells. So you can have like three spells in total queued up, but they're all the level one versions, right? So you can kind of have this like interesting diversity of things in your inventory, and then like you know you might want to utilize ones to get some further up. So if you want to, if you're in first place, you might want to keep the barrier you know spell in your 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 next slot, so you can use that as soon as something starts coming in at you. Um, where when you're in last space, you know you kind of want to just get that barrier out of your inventory as soon as possible to get like a different spell and things like that so um and then in addition to those spells you also have uh character specific power-ups and these are not balanced very well the character specific power-ups i will say um but they they do um make it so each character has like their own unique gimmick whether that be like a energy being they shoot in front of them in some way that attacks everybody in front of them makes an aoe effect around the player so they'll affect enemies around them uh you know shoot something backwards or make them speed up and things like that so like every character has their own way they go around this so like shiva like when you have shiva like she just basically has an ice like field around her while she's driving so for like you know three to five seconds you know if anybody gets close to shiva they freeze and they have to fall behind or if she gets close to them you know and it's like it's pretty much track wide honestly so so it's like not even just like a she has to drive up to him it's just like anyone within the perimeter basically and then you have like Cactar. He has a similar thing where like if anybody gets really close to him, uh, he'll do like a thousand needles attack and like knock him back kind of thing. And then you have like this one Choco. It's like a girl Choco. I forget her name, but she like sets up rings on the course and that like if she drives through the ring, she gets like uh, not only a speed boost, but also invulnerability and things like that. Um, but it's like things like that, that, you know, that ring one, it's interesting because other players can use those rings as far as I can tell. They don't get the full benefit that the girl does, but um, the, the other characters 
can still go through that ring and it seems like it does boost their speed but then there's other characters who kind of have a very similar speed boost uh, effect but it doesn't place the rings on the core so like other characters can't get the benefit of that so so it's like a a lot of weird like kind of trade-offs you have and some of them are significantly worse than others um and then they also have like different speed boosts they'll do for characters some characters have a really aggressive spell yet it also gives them like a big speed boost along with their with their using that spell where other characters don't have that big speed boost with it so they have an aggressive spell but they just kind of stay where they are um and i feel like there's just at some point you get you kind of start narrowing down who has the best specials and you focus on them um they do have like different carts too so you can kind of like adjust the stats depending on what you well not really adjust the stats but you know you can choose between three different options really it's a very snowboard kids kind of like uh speed or balance speed and power no sorry balance speed and grip is what it is um so you can kind of choose a character who maybe is like more of a heavy style and then give them a a cart that's more of a grip style and so it makes them a little easier to play i I did that for a couple characters because i'm not really good at heavy characters in racing games but it did make them a bit more manageable for me and then it made some of the characters who might be more of like the beginner characters who are a lot more, you know, uh, slower, but have a lot more control. Uh, it gave them more viability because you could increase their speed as well by putting them in a speed car kind of thing. Um, so I thought it was like a really cool game overall. And and I think that the customization, while not balanced very well, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want with it. Um, and so it's not really a big deal. Um, one thing I didn't mention as well is um, there's a warp spell in the game that I really like a lot. This is one of the items you get. And, and the warp spell is pretty cool because like you drop a warp down in front of you and it lets you basically jump ahead a little while, which is which is kind of neat, but it's more or less just like a different form of a mushroom, right? Which there is like a speed boost in this game already. But what's cool about it is it drops the portal down. Other players can use that portal so they can also warp behind you. However, the exit portal is also placed somewhere. So when you, when you, you know, warp to wherever you're going, their exit portals placed uh, behind you. So you can kind of like do some fun things with that where you like put the exit portal like or you time it so the exit portal like lands at like a bottleneck so it's like kind of hard to dodge but then you can also put the entrance portal in like a really inconvenient spot so like what i would do is like i got a if i got a portal i would drive off the track and into like a fence basically and you know to me like i'm moving losing a tiny 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 bit of speed but the second i'm putting that warp down i'm warping off right so i'm out of that area but then if somebody hits the exit portal they get warped back to that really inconvenient location where they're just like stuck facing a fence in the grass kind of thing so there's like some really cool things that you can do with it and i just feel like those kind of options are not really things you see much in mario kart or something like that right um though i will say like the track design of this game is significantly worse than a mario kart game um the the later tracks in the game are actually very cool i like them a lot um but the early tracks on the game feel just too simple and there's a lot of them and they reuse them a lot too um when you're going through like the um there's like a story mode and a grand prix mode and um when you when you do go through the story mode it is almost entirely made up of the short tracks which is unfortunate um and then the the grand prix mode the first half of the grand prix mode it mixes those short tracks in. it does start to mix in some of the longer tracks like maybe towards the middle of the grand prix mode there's like 12 cups basically in total um i think it's four races in each cup i believe um so you'd spend a lot of time in this game on those kind of lesser tracks and they reuse a lot of the same like you know tracks and then build upon them essentially so some of the more complicated tracks um are basically just expanded versions of the shorter tracks or shorter or the other way you can look at it is shorter tracks are compressed down versions of more, some of the more complicated tracks things like that and so 
I just feel like it, it 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 creates this imbalance of these like super short tracks that really kind of flood the initial start of the game part of the game, and those short tracks are not very interesting, unfortunately. Where the later tracks are really interesting, and you know I, I understand why this happens kind of with these kind of games. It's I think this is like a typical thing that happens in these kind of kart racers, and it's just like you know restricting the amount of assets you have to you have to create and getting the, like the most mileage out of it. And I think there's always this feeling that we have to have like the baby the baby tracks initially so the player gets used to the game, right? Um, but I think what Mario Kart does well, and I don't know why or how it does this well, all those like baby tracks in Mario Kart still feel interesting to race on, even when you go back to them. And they feel like they make a small section of the catalogs. So, like Luigi's Raceway is still kind of fun, even though if it's a, even though it's a simpler track. Um, but like. This game, like, it feels like every course for a while is all just Luigi's wait- Raceway kind of thing, slightly tweaked kind of thing. So I think the track design could be a lot better. The tracks are also, because they're short, it's still only three laps. A lot of the races only last anywhere between, like, 50 seconds to two minutes, which feels too short, especially when you're going through story mode. I haven't talked about story mode much. I'll, I'll, I'll go into it here in a second, but... Um, but essentially when you're going through these cutscenes and stuff, you get spit out into a race, do a race for like 50 seconds, and then you go into a pretty lengthy cutscene again, which is, you know, a, a problem specific to story mode. If you're playing online or you're playing in the, the Grand Prix, like whatever, you just get kicked off for the next race. Just means the Grand Prix itself is fairly short, but I feel like there's just too many short tracks in general with that. So, um, the story mode is actually pretty fun though. It was pretty cute. Um, you know, it is kind of adolescent story, t- storytelling, but it has a lot of, <laughs> a lot of really deep cuts for Final Fantasy. I didn't know a lot of them to be honest with you i was kind of surprised i was like okay this like joke they keep leaning on is cl- very clearly a joke that's happening and it's very clearly like referencing something in final fantasy 6 um but like i have no idea what, what they're referencing kind of thing so it's it's and, you know it, it's been a very long time since i played final fantasy 6 so if you're like a big final fantasy fan that like really invests in those games and like you remember beat by beat what happens in them you're probably gonna get a lot all that humor um i did not less so i had to do some like looking up like who is this I don't remember who this is in reference to or why this is like a joke in this game kind of thing. So very hardcore Final Fantasy sense of humor there. Um, however, I think a lot of the delivery and stuff is very fun. Um, Behemoth is like kind of this like delinquent, you know, teenager. That's kind of a fun thing. Um, and I think a lot of the delivery is very good uh, uh, with the, like the, the jokes. There is one joke that kind of like goes on a little too long, but it's kind of the point of the joke um, in some ways. But uh, I think you have to be a very specific type of person to like those story segments, um, to be honest. And I, I personally really enjoyed them. But if you don't like that kind of like more kitty storybook storytelling, I think you'll, I think you'll really be put off by it really quick, unfortunately. But I thought it was really fun. That was a really good story mode. So. Anyways, I just rambled on a bunch. I might do like a, a casual review of Chocobo GP at some point. Um, I'm not really uh, 100% sure. Uh, yeah, there, I kind of been back and forth about it. And the reason why I've been back and forth about it is, um, so I played Chocobo GP and I was like, I really like this game. This is like, like, I don't think this is a great or amazing game and it's nowhere near Mario Kart. This game does not replace Mario Kart 8, right? Um, it, in, in my mind, I don't want, I don't like Mario Kart as a series. So like, so like it doing enough, like different little things is like fine for me. Um, and I don't need it to be like some huge, you know, expansive thing that lasts forever kind of thing where like, I didn't realize it recently, but like, or until recently, but like Mario Kart is like 
eight is approaching like 10 years um, that it's going to be, you know, the main Mario Kart. If you look at the downloadable content schedule they've laid out, you know, it will be a very long lasting Mario Kart game and it's still selling, which is ridiculous. Um, but, um, anyways, so, so I don't, I really don't imagine Chocobo GP having that kind of legs. I personally find it to be a fun, like weekend game. I played it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I'm going to be honest with you. I think I'm pretty much done with the game and I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm like, this is fine. This is like a good amount of game that I played. I played it like eight to 12 hours, maybe a little longer than that, but like, that is a good amount of game that I want out of a kart racer specifically. Right. Um, so I, I enjoyed that part of it. Um, the the thing that was kind of the, the the weird thing though was before I played this game and like you know around launch you know I'm three weeks late to this because I I just did like standard shipping with PlayAsia, um, like there was a lot of beef about this game's um, uh, battle pass because there's a battle pass in this game and it's like a, uh, they're treating it kind of as a live game essentially. Um, so you have the, if you don't know what a battle pass is, basically you pay a certain amount to get into this battle pass structure. And then when you uh, do that battle pass, uh, you like level up through, the, through it based off doing things like drifting a certain number of times and things like that. And this is all related to a specific mode called the Chocobo GP mode. It's like a tournament mode that you play online, which I really didn't play that much of. I didn't really like it that much, to be honest with you. I mean, it's fine. It's racing. It's still, and, and, and it, it's just like a different way you, you race and stuff. But like, I, because the progression was tied to this battle pass, I personally didn't really have a lot of interest in it. Um, anyways, so um, when I like looked up videos for this game and, and like the, what I had generally heard about the game online was just like Chocobo GP is like a trash game. It's a disgrace to the series or whatever. And then, so I'm playing this game. I'm like, this is a fun game. Like, this is a fun, enjoyable game. I thought that it took me a while to get a hang of the handling, but you know, I, it just, it was fun. Um, and then, so like looking at those YouTube thumbnails and be like, there's a complete disconnect from what this game is and what's being advertised on these thumbnails. Like, this is the trash, the trash, Square Enix trash or something like that. Right. And eventually I kind of broke and I was like, let me watch these videos. I don't want to watch them. I hate, I hate like really reactionary thumbnails. This, I, you know me, I hate thumbnails in general for YouTube, but I watched them. And like, at the end of the day, everyone in there seemed to more or less say, this is a good video game. It's just the battle pass aspect of it. And, <laughs> and so it was kind of just like this weird moment of just like, like, I feel like the outward communication I've gotten about this game from people is that it's bad because of battle pass. But like when I played the game, like the content that's in the game itself, especially you're doing like the, the story mode, the Grand Prix mode, stuff like that, like feels like like the amount I would expect playing for like a budget kart racer game. It's it, it is essentially the thing where it's like it's a $40 video game, but Square Enix adds like the $10 Square Enix tax on. If you weren't around during the DS era, like Square Enix always charged the maximum amount they could for a DS game, which was $40. So everybody would sell their game for $30, but Square Enix is like, nah, baby, we're selling these for $40. <laughs> it's like, all right. And that's just like an ongoing Square Enix thing. So I joke about it being the Square Enix tax thing. So like, in my mind, it's like, it, it's, it is a $40 game with the Square Enix tax, like thrown on top of it. Um, and I think the content that is the game is like, perfectly good for that i think it is a, a well-made game i think the content in there is good it's a lot of really interesting characters that you can unlock and then you have this battle pass and it looks like a really bad battle pass i'll be honest with you it, it i didn't really see anything of interest in the battle pass um but you can unlock uh uh cloud through there and it also helps you unlock squall you technically don't have to spend money to unlock squall but that's a whole other thing um and so, yeah, and it's like i don't know it's just this this battle pass is something that's in the game and square enix very much 
like surface it to the players like the first thing they show you when you start the game they like drop your cursor on chocobo gp mode they want you in there doing battle pass stuff right but if you just like go and do the normal stuff like the battle pass doesn't really matter all that much the only exception is you don't get cloud and squall which i'll be honest with you like personally maybe i'm a i'm a weirdo final fantasy fan I don't really want those mainline Final Fantasy characters anymore in these games. I'm kind of tired of them showing up in a bunch of games. I, I mentioned this about like back when Final Fantasy Explorers for the 3DS came out. I was like, I don't want these characters in this game. <laughs> like, I don't need to see Squall again. I don't need to see Cloud again. I don't need these things. Um, and so like the fact that like you can play as Terra's dad in this game instead of that is like way more exciting for me. I'm like, that's a weird pick. Terra's dad or like playing as a cactar and things like that. So I don't know. So I went through this whole like back and forth of just like, is this, uh, I don't know if I should be upset about this. I shouldn't be upset about this. And I think that's what bothers me is I felt upset about it despite knowing I shouldn't be upset about it. And when I say upset about this, I meant like the representation that this is a bad game, like on the surface level, right? Um, it just feels like, you know, news headline reading where you read a news headline and you don't read into the details of it. That's what it feels like, like scrolling through like YouTube thumbnails at times. And so like, who's, who's at fault for that? You know, is it my fault for not watching the videos and getting the impression that these people just hate this video game? Or is it their fault for, you know, uh, presenting this thing where it's like literally their thumbnails, like them, like with a frown, with their thumb down kind of thing saying like, Tokubo GP, a disaster question mark. And then you watch the video and like, this is a good game. Just maybe don't play like, and then they spent like, maybe like, you know, a chunk of the video talking about the battle pass and how egregious this it is, it is or whatever. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know where the problem is here. If it's a me problem, I think it's a me problem because I shouldn't be bothered and I should not care is what I'll say. At the end of the day, it stops with me, right? And I can live my life however I want. I don't need to care about what's being said on YouTube about video games. <laughs> like, that's the thing. And so, like, that's part of why I don't really like... I don't like... And if, I think I've talked about this before. I don't like reactionary reactions to things. Like, I don't like people freaking out about Pokemon Sword and Shield and, like, being like, this is the worst game ever when it's very clearly not. And then I don't like that I react to that with, like being upset that they're calling Pokemon Sword and Shield the worst game ever when it's very clearly not kind of thing. And like, I don't feel, I feel like I'm no better than they are with that. Like, and it's just like, and to some extent, it's probably just like human nature, right? But like, I think initially when I was thinking about doing a Chocobo GP video, I was like, <sighs> I was like, do I make like a video that's just like, hey, you guys are overreacting to this battle pass thing. But at that point, I feel like I'm doing the exact same thing as they are, right? <laughs> so so I'm like what do I do so I think the real answer is that I just need to make if I want to if I want to make a video about Chocobo GP and how much I like that game in, in certain ways like not that I love it but like I, I think it's like it was a fun game if I want to do that I should just make a video about Chocobo GP itself and just do that and maybe talk about the battle pass a little bit um but don't focus on that kind of uh uh, uh you know the, the community reaction to this thing mainly just feel like hey there's a lot of stuff going around about this battle pass. Let me just say, like, what actually affects you? Because I feel like as a game, it doesn't affect Chocobo GP, like, at all. It is it is something that just optically Square Enix has shoved it up front, and people have reacted to it because it is the thing up front kind of thing, is how I feel about it, I think. So, either way, it's not, it's just one of those things that, like, I'm very self-critical of myself, and I don't blame anyone for reacting, like, like I said earlier, Square Enix is shoving this in your face, right? And so, like, people are reacting to that 
that's not necessarily their fault. It's because this is being presented as the biggest thing in this game when clearly it's not. It is like an option. Like it is an online mode you can do. You can just do normal online as well if you'd like. Although I try to find a room and they're completely empty. So um, and I think unless I find just like other people who are willing to play with me, uh, I don't think I'll ever really touch the online beyond playing a little bit of Chocobo GP. Um, so the, uh, the, the GP mode or whatever it's called. So anyways... Long, 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 long ramble about Chocobo GP. Um, I feel like an asshole when I sit there and like judge people based off their reaction to things because then I'm reacting to them and I shouldn't do that. I try to be, I try to, I try to think about that stuff. So if you're like, Ben, you are an asshole. I'm trying to be self-reflective. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to be better about it. And hopefully that makes, if I do do a video, a better product at the end of that, where we're just talking about like, hey, here's why Chocobo GP is a cool video game. Um, so when I do a video, I'm not committed to doing Chocobo GP video at this point. It would be something that I think would be nice to do, but I would not want to spend a lot of time on it, I think. Um, and I, I think I would like to talk about the battle pass aspect in there, but it probably would be like a tacked on thing. And I would probably want to avoid a situation where I'm like directly attacking, like, you know, this, this sentiment around it. Um, kind of thing. The the main reason I kind of laid out my entire thought process here is because I wanted you guys to kind of see how I got through that process in some way. I don't know if that's interesting or if it just sounds like rambling, but I said it and here we are. You, if you're here, if you haven't clicked out of the video, you listened or you skipped ahead one or the other. So, so yeah. Um, speaking of Final Fantasy, I actually did watch Final Fantasy and the Legend of the Crystals this weekend. Um, that was part of the, the stream, uh, video sh or movie stream that we did, uh, that Mr. T runs in our Discord. Um, and I like that a lot. If you didn't know, this is a, a Final Fantasy OVA that is actually like a sequel to Final Fantasy V. And I watched it as a kid and I did not have a great memory of it, to be honest with you. Um, but it basically is like 200-ish years after Final Fantasy V. And, you know, it's it's a very Final Fantasy story. There's four crystals. Uh, there's like this kind of like, I don't know if alien race is what they would be called. But they come in, steal the crystals. And then you have kind of this like magician girl. Or, or I think she's a summoner specifically. And she goes and like has to like, um, you know, protect the wind crystal. And she has this kind of like snob-nosed kid who's like kind of the the warrior of the group who's who's traveling with her but it's just like kind of fun um it's very like 90s ova kind of style um and and it's just kind of a, a goofy fun little thing and it's kind of weird that it is connected to final fantasy 5 it doesn't have any real bearing on anything that happens in final fantasy 5 but it's still kind of fun um that it goes through there there is some stuff in there and i like i remembered this from when i was a kid and like thinking as a kid it was kind of weird like when the girl she, the girl gets like the wind crystal like embedded into her like flies into her at some point and then like i don't remember exactly why this happens it's more of just like a joke or a gag thing but like when the crystal's within her and like something's about to happen with the crystal like her butt cheeks will start to glow <laughs> kind of thing and and so they just use that as like a point of humor kind of thing at times so uh, i think some people because she is a a, a a a kid and there's like a lot of times where like everybody's just like staring at her butt kind of thing i think there are some people that have a lot of problems with that and i definitely understand that um, and there is like some other, um, kind of <laughs> weird horniness to it. There's this guy who is like very infatuated with this, uh, pirate, um, leader who, who is basically wearing like bondage gear kind of thing with like a whip. If you've seen like, you know, uh, what's her name? And, and <laughs> why am I specific? I guess I'm just going to talk about a battle arena Toshinden character all of a sudden. Um, there's like a lady in there that has like a thunder thing. She goes like thunder ding. Um, she very much looks like that, but she has like red hair kind of thing. 
Um, and like at some point she gets like a cut and it's like on her chest, like across her boob a little bit. And the guy who is like in love with her, it like zooms in super close on her boob and he's just like, Oh, how dare they? But like, while they do that, the lady is like, has this most like, I don't know what you would call it. Smug look while she's staring at him. It's a really weird, weird scene. It just looks really strange. It's it's just kind of strange in that way. But anyways, I thought it was like fun overall. I really like the main character. I think his name is um Pritz or something like that. It's kind of weird. Uh, I think it's Pretz. Pretz or something like that. But he's just kind of like that that kind of like hot headed kid that I like. And and he's got like I don't know. He's 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 he has a lot of fun in in um. The combat, like he's very lighthearted about the combat, and I love the grenades in the show because they're like little clamshell shell grenades. Um, because like basically they have like the shell on the outside, and then inside there's like a little uh yellow ball that has like a face on it, and they like stick their tongue out before they explode or something. So like <laughs> he's like in in the pirate ship, like threatening them to like do stuff for him, so so he doesn't blow them up. And he's just like sitting there like clacking them together, like with the faces like poking out. And he's like ah. <laughs> kind of clacking the, the grenades together in there and then like you know he drops it at some point and then it, yeah, it's a whole thing so it, it, it's just kind of a fun OVA it's a shame that it's only available on VHS still as far as I can tell um, so there's no way to get it like in, in the modern sense there is like a YouTube upload it's pretty poor quality on YouTube um, but I think there are other uploads you can find that are probably of higher quality so anyways that was a fun little thing I enjoy, I'm glad I watched it I thought about getting uh, copies of the of it maybe uh, because I did like it a lot. And, and I typically, if I like a show or something like that, I typically will get a physical copy. But it being VHS would mean if I want to actually utilize it rather than just like have it around, um, you know, at that point I would need to get a VHS, which I mean, or, VH, or VCR, um, which, you know, would not, given my nightmarish like old hardware setup, would not be a problem. That would be an easy ad, and I don't I don't know what the VCR market looks like, um, but it would be like a weirdly specific thing to get a VCR for, um, unless I really got down some like weird hole where like I could find a reason to like try to archive something, and then I could very much like justify a VHS uh, player. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna just, like import a bunch of VHSs from from Japan. Although I'd worry because like Las Vegas, you know, the heat here is is so much that like I worry it would damage the tapes. And things like that. So I remember when my my dad was younger, he left a bunch of like, um, you know, cassette tapes in his car and uh, it just heated up a ton and it it ended up like messing up the actual like tape inside. And so he like lost his entire music collection back in the day. So that was not fun, I guess. I don't know. I was not I was not cognizant of what was happening at the time. I just remember that being something that happened. I don't know anything about how he actually felt back then or when it happened. Honestly, maybe maybe it's time to move on. Get a fucking MP3 player, dad. I don't know. <laughs> this is a long time ago. So, um, yeah. So that was fun. Uh, and I think, oh, so the other thing I want to talk about, and this is like a follow-up to last week's podcast, is uh, Sparkling Feather. So I did uh, play Sparkling Feather um, a bit. Uh, and I, if you don't know, with Sparkling Feather, I'm trying to get the good ending of that game, but I don't know how to get the good ending. So I went through and watched the Japanese playthrough, which unfortunately is not complete, but it does get the good ending. And I went and basically, like, well, first I tried to get the good ending again on my own, and I, once I realized I clearly was not on that path, I was like, okay, um, what do I need to do? So I went back and, and looked at this footage, I watched 
the entire playthrough. Not I didn't watch the entire playthrough, but I like I, I went to the key points of the playthrough and took as like a bunch of notes of like who who's involved in this scene. You know who's important in this scene. At what point are they important? Um, things like that. And and so what I'm hoping to do with that is to be able to go back and build specific relationships with these specific characters at particular times. And and I think part of this, maybe I don't know any of this for sure, but I think part of this is these characters when you go when you have these conversations with them between missions. There might be specific questions you have to ask to initiate certain chapters to happen later. I think this is something that happens. Um, so what I'm thinking is, I and I've already done this to some degree. I have not started it yet. But I've identified those particular missions, when they happened in the story for that other person, and, 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 and what characters to focus on, you know, up until that point. And, and I had to do a little bit of testing. But there are different sound cues when you answer questions, or rather you ask questions of these other people that you're on a date with, essentially. And there's three different sound cues. A clearly bad sound cue that's like, oh, you answered poorly. Um, there's a like more general like sound cue, which I think is like, your relationship has increased kind of thing. And then there is like a more like sound cue. And I don't know if that means like your your relationship has double increased or maybe you have asked a particular question that has like advanced something, right? Um, because there is a character that I, I I messed around with this a little bit because I kind of was starting to put the pieces together a little bit in my main playthrough, what might be going on here. And there is a character that I, I went and went on a, a date with. And when I asked her the questions, um, when I was using machine translation, which this game is terrible with machine translation because like all the text boxes are transparent and it's a nightmare. But one of the things asked about her relationship with another character. And so the chapter that happened after I asked that question seemed to be about her and another character. So maybe there's a particular question that needs to be asked that cues the start of a chapter cutscene that happens. Um, and I think it always has to come back to this character's relationship with somebody on the enemy side. Because there's different like factions, basically. There's like the 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 continental feathers what they're called and you are like uh, like earth based stone so you're like ruby sapphire diamond things like that and then i believe there's the um i forget if it's called the ocean or if it's called the coral uh feathers uh but they're they're water-based things i forget what they are but you know water-based stones and things like that so I think these characters have relationship with characters on the enemy side or whatever. And and so maybe you have to dive into that dialogue aspect with that character to, to advance the plot. And then I, I went through and kind of detailed what missions appeared in my playthrough on my first playthrough when I got the bad ending and what missions um, did not appear in mine. And honestly, I think you're missing probably if, like, if you miss every single optional mission, I think you miss 50% of the game, actually. Which is kind of crazy, because um, I think it ends on like chapter fourteen, and like if you get every mission, which I think you need to do for the for the good ending, it ends on like chapter twenty three or something like that. So you know, it's it's a pretty hefty chunk of game. Um, so uh, I'm gonna give it one last shot. Um, I'm gonna I have not determined when I'm gonna start doing that yet. Um, because I did kind of like, I, I spent a bunch of time like hammering my head against it, testing different theories and things like that. Um, and I just want to take a break and just enjoy a video game. So I went and played Jokobo GP and then I went into that whole like <laughs> mental, um, uh, anguish about 
battle passes and how it like affected the conversation around that game because i can't just enjoy video games anymore apparently <laughs> um, but you know i did i did really like it Chico, you know? um but anyways so so uh yeah i i i think i have an idea of what i want to do next i just have to sit, sit there and do it um I did have some people ask me recently because I was kind of detailing what I had to do. And they're like, is it a good game? Is Sparkling Feather a good game? The answer is probably no. They're like, why spend your time on this? Like, I got to know. I've spent so much time on this. I feel like I just got to know at this point. If I, if like, because I can do the the English guide video for Sparkling Feather right now. No problem. But if I can tell you how to get to the good ending, I think that's way more important. Is it more important? I don't know. I think it's important. Maybe. I would like to be able to tell you it's important to me. <laughs> so, cause I, I feel like that once you do that, then we can have like an understanding of what that game is as a whole and then be able to play that game from start to finish. Worst case scenario though, if I can't figure it out, I can say, Hey, I couldn't figure it out. I think this is what's happening. If you really, really care and you don't want to go through the nightmare that I did trying to like, you know, continue my quote research about this video game, um, then uh, you can just go watch the video that does the playthrough and just see what happens story wise there. So anyways, so Sparkling Feather was a was kind of a, a nightmarish thing for me. I feel like this podcast has gone on very long already. Uh, let's get into the Patreon question here real quick. Hey, Patreon time. Uh, so if you don't know Patreon, we have that. You get bonus content. This week we have the uh, unfinished review for um, uh, uh, Jumping Flash coming out. So I just, you know, didn't edit it or anything. I just basically dumped, you know, vis- or the, the audio into a, a, a video editor and then dumped a bunch of footage on top of it and then just exported it out. I don't really want to finish the Jumping Flash video, so it's just going to stay that way. It was a casual review, so it's not a huge deal either way. And uh, you can you can definitely tell when I, I abandoned it because it was like from that time where I used to be like, hello, everyone at the beginning of every casual review kind of thing, like a podcast in some way. But um, yeah, so that is uh, going up on the Patreon this week at the $5 level. You get any of that kind of bonus content. However, if you don't want to do the $5 level, there's like a $3 support level you can do. But in that support level, you do get the option to ask a Patreon question. Um, so for this week, we do have a Patreon question that was submitted by Jillian. Jillian's one of the Patreon supporters. We also have Paul Daniel and someone listed as discreet as well. I believe that is because they are like anonymous, not because they're actually named discreet, but I can say that every week forever, probably. Um, but Jillian's question was, what are my favorite side quests in games? Or like, what was like, one of my favorite side quests? Basically, this is a really hard question because like actually remembering good side quests is kind of a hard thing to do. Um, and some, in some ways this kind of feels like cheating because, um, the last story has really good side quests because they basically are made at the same production level as, um, the main story quests in a lot of ways. So, so these side quests, optional quests, they don't really feel like side quests. They feel like main story quests, but they're still really good. Uh, the two I picked in particular was because there's some interesting ideas that they have, um, one was, uh, the haunted house, which essentially is a quest where you go into this haunted house and it is like kind of a mansion. You go from room to room and like your party members start to disappear as you go through the mansion, which is kind of a fun thing. And then at the end of it, you know, you kind of go through this whole, you know, 
series of, of you know, spooky-based encounters kind of thing. And then you eventually find the culprit of this ghost that's in the, the mansion. And then all the doors in the mansion open up and you get to chase this, this ghost through this mansion and shoot like a silver arrow at him so you can start dealing damage. And so it's like a really cool mission that like is like kind of fulfills that kind of haunted house, you know, filler episode in an anime or something like that, but has a really cool gameplay mechanic around it because it is like you kind of getting dragged from room to room and different like kind of gimmicks happening in each room and your party members slowly being siphoned away from you as you go through that and then eventually being able to kind of bring everyone back together again and then, um, you know, fight the final boss and like have this fun encounter where you're chasing him through the mansion and like trying to, you know, shoot him with this arrow so he becomes um, invulnerable. It's just like a really specific set of events that happen and a lot of the effort was put into this quest that you can miss in that game um, unfortunately so so very cool uh, 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 side mission in there another one I appreciate that's maybe not as like mechanically interesting but I like the concept of is chapter 21 which is the flame and lizard and essentially the flame is lizard uh, flame and lizard is about you going to like a bar to basically get rid of this uh, I think it's like a cult leader or something it's been a while since I played the last story um, but you go into the bar and so the mission starts in the first floor of the bar and then eventually you kind of go up to the top level, you go into different rooms in the bar and then like some of the bar doors are locked. So you have to like go out of the, 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 um, the window and like shimmy across the window shield seal to get into the other rooms. And then you go back into the main area of the bar and like other things are happening. So it's like this, like one area that is actually really confined, but this entire side mission happens and like a ton of events and a ton of fights and stuff happen and, and throughout this um, this one bar you're in. And I think that's like a really cool thing. I like, I like games that make like really smart uses of space and the more and more they can combine it down without it just feeling like, you know, being cheap or something. Like if they utilize the space in really smart ways, I think that's like way more impressive to me, honestly, than any open world game that has a ton of space just for the sake of having space. Um, so, so I'm always more impressed by like smaller games that feel either bigger or feel like they do a really good job utilizing all the space that they have. So there is my answer to the Patreon question. So thank you again. If you want to ask a Patreon question, uh, once you've become a Patreon member, you can go to the post that goes up on every Monday, um, where I essentially just go there and list out what the question will be without an additional question being uh, suggested. And then once you suggest your question, um, then I will I will pick that up for the for the the podcast next week. Um, and if I can't for any reason, I'll let you know. I'll respond to it. But for the most part, I can't imagine too many where I where I couldn't offer an answer to you. You know, within a week uh, at the very least. So. Um, but as long as you submit it before like Friday, that's usually like when I start thinking about the podcast for the week, um, then, then that will be, that'll be fine. So anyways, Patreon corner over, like I said, not many news stories this week. A couple of things I, I do want to talk about though is, um, Rhythm Thief. There was a fanzine that's coming out in December. Um, so if you are interested in, uh, uh, participating in that fanzine um i believe the submissions for it are still open if you want to i think they're doing like stories and uh and, and art stuff but look at the details specifically but it is the fan rhythm thief community thing um there is no like physical copy as far as i can tell so it's not like the near gestalt book or something like that um the the one that's like i forget what it's called someone special or something like that is maybe the near gestalt book i don't remember exactly but you know it's not like one of those so it is just a pdf they're distributing later but still if you're a fan of rhythm thief and you're a fan of those kind of like fan made things around rhythm thief that's very cool link will be in the description if you want to find the tweet about it that i that i found um a uh couple of other things i want to talk about 
So that's really the only news story I had, honestly, that I want to talk about this week. Um, There's a couple other things I kind of wanted to touch on real quick, even though this podcast is going long. I made a list of things just in case the podcast was like too short. But now that I have too much stuff, I'm just going to kind of rush through these. Um, I recently was like looking into a token all stuff on uh, Yahoo auctions and I found a uh, set of documents that would seem to be like a, a token all conversion kit. I bid on the documents, but unfortunately it did not work out. Um, the, the, the like last hour, a bunch of people bid it up, which is perfectly fine. Um, I just wanted to like, if nobody was going to get them, I was like, okay, I'll scan and archive them onto archive.org, but I wasn't going to like sit there and fight for it. It was like 30 bucks for them. I think the end end bid was like $90 and that's probably way higher than I'm willing to spend. Honestly, it would have been nice to be able to scan them to archive.org, but I'm not going to die over it. Right. Um, anyways, so, uh, that, um, I was looking at that and I kind of found out that there was this game called Dragon Collection that came out and apparently you could convert your Atokadol machine to, or your, your Dragon Collection machine into an Atokadol one. So if you don't know anything about Atokadol, there's actually two different machine types that they have. One that's more like, um, it looks a lot more better produced. It has like a hard shell, um, uh, cat on top, like cat, like structure it like it like pr- print out holographic cards and things like that and it is it is kind of the official tokadol machine per se in some ways um, but then you have the ones that have like a like a very thin stand on them and then they have like this uh like kind of carpet that you can lay over top of it that's like in the shape like it's a cat and so like goes over this like metal cube and makes this like cat like overlay that happens or that gets uh, applied to it um but what i found out was is apparently those dragon collection machines were those original systems that have those kind of metal stands on them and they just put the uh, cat overlay onto it so i thought it was kind of like a neat little piece of information if you don't know what dragon collection is don't worry i didn't know either um and apparently it's like some mobile game uh that was this fairly popular i think you can still play it today actually but there's an arcade machine as well and it looks like that they use the kind of eureka battle a tokadol hardware um um for that that game essentially i don't think it was developed by that version of the game was developed by the tokadol eureka battle development team or if they if it was it was more of a um i think a straight like kind of like it's not, it doesn't seem like a game that was like built around their design, uh, etiquette, I guess you could say. It doesn't really feel like one of their games from what I saw. So, um, I don't know if they actually worked on the software or not, but it is on that same hardware. So that's kind of a fun little thing. Um, I also recently found a solution for um, compress- compressing down at least my 480p video games. Uh, there's a, a tool called Handbrake, and you can basically use that to compress videos down. And it, it's a significantly um, uh, uh, big like uh, improvement because um, I had like maybe like 130 gigabytes of like uh, Happy Dance Collection uh, footage, and I was able to bring it down to like 83 gigabytes of Happy Dance Collection footage. Um, so, you know, and I, I really like, there is a very, very, very slightly noticeable drop in quality, but like when you're uploading to YouTube and things like that, barely anything, you know, for, for, for saving a hundred or 800 gigabytes alone is, is I think well worth it, especially now that I've already done a Happy Dance Collection video. Any use cases I need for Happy Dance Collection footage is going to be very secondary at this point. So so being able to narrow it down to just 83 gigabytes was very nice. Just 83 gigabytes in quotes, you know. Um, I do try to keep them at like 1080p and stuff like that just because it's easier to work with in that regard. But, um, but yeah, so that was kind of a cool thing. I haven't worked on it with like 240p or 240, um, or 480i games yet. 
um, or with like 1080 stuff, I definitely would like to compress down a lot of my PlayStation 4 footage. I don't know. Like I just basically capture everything at like really high quality, basically. Um, so I think there's always space to improve on compressing it down. But because I jump between so many different systems, I don't sit there and like tweak my settings all the time because it's just like, I, I don't know. Like, like, I, 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 like I'm, I could be, you know, recording like Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine and the jumping to Chocobo GP, you know, within less than a week or something like that. And I don't want to sit there and like tweak my capture settings every single time I'm changing what I'm capturing kind of thing. So uh, that was like a nice option for that. And then right now the PC 98, um, uh, GA stuff is still on hold. I did have to like import a, or at least I was told by the PC 98 discord community that I'm in, uh, that I need to import like a three mode, uh, floppy drive for my current PC. So I basically can write stuff to a floppy drive, um, and, and basically, you know, put stuff on my actual, uh, PC 98 through like a more traditional installation. I do have like a flash cart on there that I can take out and put in like a, a flash card reader kind of thing, which again, thank you for the people who donated to the coffee, um, that, that, that helped me get that, um, back when I did that. Um, and so, but, but like, I don't, like, I don't know anything about that stuff, but it seems like installing through the floppy drive, like installs stuff more properly rather than just dropping files on there. Right. Um, like actually installing the executable. So I'm not really any further in that process, but I am basically waiting to, to, to receive that, that package. I, um, consolidated my my buyee stuff recently so probably you know sometime early this week i'll get the option to actually ship it um and then it might be like two to three weeks before it gets here or something like that from there so hopefully we'll see shipping internationally is kind of a weird thing still so so yeah and that's pretty much it. Thanks again for coming. OneControllBoard.com is the website. If you didn't see earlier last week, I did go ahead and put up my Nintendoji video. So if you haven't checked that out, I would recommend doing so. Again, would super appreciate if you share it in any kind of communities you have. Um, thankfully, Nintendo Life, I did submit it to Nintendo Life, and they actually picked it up. So it got like uh, 700-ish views from there. Um, how many people actually watched it's kind of another thing. Um, but, you know, I was really happy to see them pick it up. Uh, didn't really make it around to many other news sites. I did look at some of the other sites that posted it again, but it seems like they were more like news scraping sites. So they like would scrape Nintendoji's content um, and repost it, which is, you know, not great. Um, but, uh, or uh, Nintendo Life's content, sorry. So they, they, they scraped that. So really Nintendo Life seems to be the main people who actually um, uh, picked it up. I did submit it to a few other websites. I also put it to the 3DS's um, uh, Reddit uh, but none of those seem to be super responsive. Somebody on Reddit actually downvoted me because they were like, you obtained this game illegally. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like I said in the video, like, I, I think the only chance you can get Nintendoji at this point is by, uh, you know, randomly importing 3DSs and crossing your fingers or like going and, and looking through like the softwares of what's already installed on a 3DS, which I think from a Nintendo's perspective, honestly, they would probably be like, no, you can't use somebody else's user account or user downloaded software. You need to wipe that system. It probably violates their term of service, to be honest with you. So... Yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I'm gripping my shoulder really hard for some reason. I don't know why. There's nothing going on with my shoulders. Just gripping it now. <laughs> Anyways, so that that so thank you to Nintendo Life again. If you can share any more from from there, I'd be super thankful. The traffic died off super hard once Nintendo Life finished it, so it's been floating around like 750 for the last like 48 hours. So. Not not a lot of traction with it since then, but you know, hopefully it's one of those game those videos that over time will gain some traction. Sometimes I put those videos out like the near video, and then like it takes 
a year for anybody to even start noticing it or like for the YouTube algorithm to find the right people for it or something. Right. So, so yeah. Um, otherwise though, in terms of upcoming content, um, we're going to be doing the, um, stream for crime crackers soon. Um, so hopefully that will be kind of a cool thing. I'm going to be kind of using some of the techniques I use to play Japanese games on that stream, hopefully. So if you've been curious about like how much suffering I go through with that stuff, like with Sparkling Feather, um, that might be these, these streams that I'm doing with Japanese games might be a good, um, option for you to see that. Hopefully it's entertaining and hopefully it's not boring. I'm always happy to have feedback. So if you're like watching it and like, this is a terrible stream, I just wish you would play video games. Definitely let me know. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. And then in terms of like real content coming up, I might do that Chocobo GP uh, review. I'm undecided on that. And then I'm looking at some of the other stuff. There's a lot of things I worked on late last year that didn't get to the finish line, unfortunately. So I'm trying to see what I can use from that and, um, and, 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 you know, put out. I still think there's a lot of value in maybe doing some GameCube stuff. We actually talked about it on stream last week because I played Kooted and Squash after Pac, uh, Pac-Man World a bit. And Kooted and Squash is an amazing GameCube game. Um, unfortunately, there's not a ton of, like, coverage of it out there so it would be a good game i think to do something on uh whether that's like a review or like a list that includes it or something like that that's a whole other thing um but i did build out like a gamecube list um late last year that i was putting together so i think there's still value in maybe doing that or at least taking pieces of it and utilizing it in some way or the other so anyways that's it though thank you again for coming one is the website and i hope you have a great week bye